So um, I was thinking about the title I might like to give to this sermon uh, about an hour ago. And um, I was thinking of the title, Instant Dinner. And uh, how, how many of you grew up microwaving uh, dinner in, in, in a microwave? Like Hot Pockets, anybody? Hot Pockets. Is Hot Pockets still a big thing now? I don't know. I remember when I grew up, I mean, that was the, that was the thing. And I also, loved, um, I also loved these microwavable egg rolls. Like I thought I was really cultured because when I was like nine years old, I loved egg rolls. And, I, and my mom would buy these frozen ones and I could just pop them in the microwave and eat them whenever I wanted. So, you know, by the end of the day, sometimes I had maybe three, four egg rolls and, uh, and, I, and I was loving life. Now, we don't have a microwave at my house because um, my wife and I agree, mostly her, but uh, agree that we want to heat things up with a toaster oven. So that means that we have to wait much longer but we have less soggy food, right? No hot pockets though. I don't even think those work if you cook them right. Like you have to cook them, zap them with, with lasers from the microwave and, and, and all that. But, um, but I was thinking about this passage and I was thinking about this idea in our culture that we have, or not this idea, but this thing we have of instant gratification. Like I need it and I need it yesterday. And we're in the middle of that, right? We're in the middle of a reckoning of that with this thing that just doesn't quit, this COVID-19 business, that it's just like, oh yeah, you thought, you thought it was over? Nope, here, we come, here comes the next part of it. And we're, we're all having to deal with, having to wait for things that we're not used to waiting for. And it turns out, as it turns out, 2,000 years before microwaves were around, people still wanted things really fast, and they wanted quick and easy fixes and solutions for very difficult and challenging problems. And uh, you could go into any number of churches in the United States and get a microwaved meal. You can. You can get really good sales for quick fixes for your life that overnight, if you do this thing, you join this group, you say this prayer, you do X, Y, or Z, and boom, you're gonna have your new, fresh, hot pocket life that you can just enjoy in a minute or less, right? There's microwaves all throughout the churches, and we even have one here probably, I'm sure. We got a microwave down there? I don't know. Uh, but I'm getting hungry for hot pockets, so I might bring one next week so I could cook it. So what, what I want us to think about and look at here is that the message that Jesus offers is anything but a quick fix. It's anything but a, just an overnight sort of thing where you can be instantly gratified in whatever needs or urges or things that feel really important to you in the moment. How many of you right now, you can think back and think, oh, the things that I thought were really urgent and important when I was 15 are just as urgent and important now. Probably not many of us. I could think back to two weeks ago and say that's true of me, that like, oh yeah, that thing I thought that was urgent two weeks ago, looking back in retrospect, maybe not so urgent. Now, I did have a tooth pulled two weeks ago, and that felt pretty urgent with an infected wisdom tooth. So uh, if I start talking funny halfway through, then you know why, right? So let's take a look at this passage and see how Jesus 
reorients this conversation about people asking for some immediate gratification in an important area, in an area of hunger, and how he reorients that discussion into a bigger conversation about how to live life steadily moving in the direction of wholeness and uh, peace and shalom, uh, completeness uh, over a long period of time. So looking here, join me in verse 24 uh, through 26. Let's see how this passage begins. So there's this crowd that's, that's been following Jesus and he fed them. There's the, this miraculous, you might've heard of this story, feeding of the, of the 5,000. So there were over 5,000 people there and, uh, and he fed them with a couple of loaves and fish that, that a young boy had. It was a miraculous thing. So after that, uh, Jesus gets into a boat and he, he gets, gets away from the people. Uh, some amazing stuff happens there. And then we pick up on the other side of the lake and uh, where the boat is. And the crowd who had been apparently eating for a long time, must have had a lot of bread, they look up and in verse 24, it says, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So um, you, you, ever, you ever been enjoying a meal so much, you, you kind of forget what's, what's going on around you and you look up and you're like, oh, I'm, I've been stuffing my face and uh, and I have company or there's, there's somebody right across from me and they just said something and they look like that maybe they were crying a little bit, but all I could think about was the taste of that hot pocket that I was just munching on, right? So the, so the disciples or the, the crowd here are like enjoying this meal from Jesus and the disciples and they look up, hey, where did Jesus go? Where'd the guy who gave the bread go? So in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they're still looking for Jesus. They got a taste of something from Jesus, literally a taste of bread, and now they're finding themselves moving to go find where Jesus is. And I wonder if any of you can relate to that. I wonder if you can relate to getting like a taste of God, maybe it was in church, maybe it was uh, in some kind of evening service uh, where something big happened for you. You got a taste of something that felt holy, that felt important, and then you went looking for that person, that experience, that thing, to see if you could get that process or that need met in the same way again. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, y'all got masks on and stuff, so I need some kind of response. We're, we're, we're working here with the, with the family situation. It's been a little while since we've been in church, so we're, we're getting there. So uh, we move into the next couple of verses here, and this is what we see happening. Jesus answered them in verse 26, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, right? So Jesus calls these folks out 
And he's like, hey, uh, you're, you're trying to get something, uh, but it's not, you're, you're, you're not trying to get what, what you're sort of presenting yourself as trying to get. It's not because you saw these amazing things that happened, but simply because you got full. You had some kind of immediate gratification, and that's why you're looking for me. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay if you had some kind of experience with God and, uh, and you realized, hey, I, I want that met again. Or maybe you said a prayer and something worked out in that moment. The girl uh, decided she'd get back together with you or you passed that test you didn't study for or you got that raise you wanted. And you're like, oh, this whole God thing, this whole spirituality thing, this Jesus thing works. So let me see if I can hit it again. Let me see if I can get something from God. And I'm here to tell you right now, Jesus isn't even shaming these people, at least not the way I, I hear him speaking. I think he's just making an observation about how they've come to him. And he's beginning to reorient them to think about what he has to offer in a different way. He's beginning to move them from just seeing God as some kind of vending machine to get a quick meal from a candy bar to some kind of long-term type of relationship where you can be moving in the same direction for a long period of time and experiencing a different kind of life. So uh, let's see what Jesus says here in verse 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So, you know what I like about this verse? Is I could go, I could go, to my boss and say, hey, you know what? I need, I need a leave of absence. I need like a day off or a week off, maybe a month, maybe, maybe a year off. You know why my reason is in the little, little line on the form I'm filling out is because God told me don't just work for food, okay? That's not, what, that's not how you should be working. You need to work for eternal life and your job is not helping me work towards eternal life. So I'm gonna take a God-ordained leave of absence. Anybody, anybody wanna do that right now, huh? Are you tired of Zoom calls at work? Are you tired of trying to teach a classroom of 35 kids on Zoom squares or something like that? Or maybe you're a mom at home trying to lead your kid, helping your kid get through school on Zoom, and you're like, guess what, buddy? God told me not to work for food, and uh, so you're gonna have to figure things out on your own, right? Of course, that's not what Jesus means, but he is describing a different way of living, two different ways of living. He's, he's using the moment, the thing that caught their attention to continue to engage them. So here's the thing. Some of us, we've been taught or trained to think that we've got to kind of like watch and see what is, it, what is it that God wants of me next? How do I contort myself and my life into some certain type of arrangement in order to get God's attention. But what we see here 
is Jesus is using the very thing that caught those people's attention, the fact that he fed them bread, and he's meeting them right where they are to say, let me talk to you about your life, about your circumstances of eternal long-term consequences, even though you came to me just thinking about the short term. Anybody? Man. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful to see that God's operating in that way through Jesus, where he's saying, look, I get it. You're reacting to life right now. You came out to hear, to see what kind of thing this new teacher was gonna do, and then he ended up feeding you, and you were really excited about that. You thought that was great, and you thought, well, maybe he'll do it again. Maybe he'll, he'll feed us again and you're, you're kind of just reacting to life. But, but there's, a, there's another way to live that you can, actually, you can actually just simply respond to life. That you can move from just, hey, what's happening exactly just in this moment right now and just moving through life in a series of reactions to moments and trying to get every immediate need, every uncomfortability that you feel at any moment met and changed and alleviated, but there's another way to live, that you can actually reflect and respond to life and that God's okay with you doing that. You could come with your needs, your immediacy, but you can find that maybe God's more interested in the trajectory of your life, listen, than just meeting your immediate needs and concerns in the moment that thing that feels so important to you right now, that maybe God is trying to speak through you even in that situation and say, yes, I'm concerned about your, um, the immediate things going on for you, but I'm even more concerned about where your life is moving, what direction, what trajectory is it headed in? Is it headed towards something of eternal significance, eternity, or are you just reacting? So Jesus is reframing the experience of these, uh, these followers in the crowd from a reacting life to a responding life, a life responding to a faith and a deep well from Jesus. So um, it's so important how they respond to him when he says this. Because Jesus, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of messing with them a little bit here because he's using this word work really intentionally. He's trying to draw something out because he's saying, hey, you need to work for eternal life, not for bread. And what I think is really, is really fascinating about it is uh, depending on who Jesus is talking to, he's gonna talk about these things in very different ways. Depending on what their concerns are right away, he's gonna address them in different ways. And so here's, here's how they respond. So if you're talking about work and work for eternal life, then in verse 28, they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So basically they're saying, okay, so then, how do we do the thing God wants so we can get the thing we want from God, okay? It, 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 the theologians call that transactional theology. And it's what most of us probably, if we had a religious background, what we learned about. It's if you do this thing, 
then you'll get this other thing from me in return. Quid pro quo, uh, so to speak, those kind of things. So um, if you do your homework, you can eat as many microwavable egg rolls as you would like to, right? That's, that's an example. And so Jesus is sort of setting them up to think about this thing that's not far from the very front of their mind. It's like bread and then how do I do something for God so God gives me what, what I want in return? It's like right behind that. So he brings that to the forefront. So they ask in verse 28, what must we do to do the works God requires? I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask that question. Ask your, ask your neighbor, what must we do to do the works God requires? Turn to your neighbor and ask him that. All right, turn to your other neighbor and do it, do, it, do it to your other neighbor and make sure it's loud enough they can hear you this time. All right, so what we just did, what we just did is something that, it's like a secret question that we all have at some point in our lives. It's like, what do I gotta do to get what I want or to get what I need? Sometimes we can't tell the difference between those two things. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered. I'm so glad he answered. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so so you, you set all this up just to say we should believe in the one God sent. And he's like, <clears throat> you know, clearing his throat, which is me, by the way, right? So... In one little interaction here where people want something from Jesus, they want bread, they want their immediate situation met, their tummy is starting to grumble again, this guy gave us this bread, this thing happened, and I'm chasing that again. And in one little interaction, he kind of flips the script on them and brings it home to this really deep core issue in how human beings relate and interact with God. So we do these series of rituals and sacrifices so that God blesses our crops. Or we pray every day and read our Bible so that God gives us the job that we want. And we just seem to have a tendency as human beings to see a relationship with God that way. And yet Jesus is flipping that and saying, hey, you know what? Just believe in this guy in front of you, this person who's talking to you and what that person has to communicate to you about and kind of see what, what, what's that, what that's about. Sometimes uh, we, we do a lot of, of, of deconstructing here at Christ City. We did a lot, you know, um, did, did a lot of that and we, and we still do. And this is a safe place to do that work. And at uh, and, and so it, within that, sometimes this idea of, of intellectual belief and assent, sometimes it feels kind of like it gets poo-pooed on a little bit. But in the way that Jesus is presenting it here, it's, it's, it's a totally different context than this sort of like, well, as long as you believe the right ideas in your mind, then you're gonna be saved from eternal damnation. It, it, it's more of, hey, um, you've been trying to relate to God in this way where if, if you 
perform the right activities, then God will approve of you and offer you the thing that you need, whether it's the temporary thing, which to be honest, that's usually what we're more concerned about, or the more eternal long-term consequences type of thing, right? I don't know about you, but in high school, I prayed a lot of times, Adam, that uh, God just let me make like a C on this test I didn't study for, and I promise I will study next time, right? I was so concerned with those immediate things. And yet here, Jesus is saying, here's the work. Oh, you're asking about work? Here's the work you do. Believe in me. Believe in this person in front of you. That, that is the, the funnel and channel of the work of God in the world. That's, that's the work. Does that, does that give anybody a little bit of relief? Like maybe you can kind of exhale a little bit. When I think about that and I read that, I can kind of give a and exhale. I'm not going to breathe too loud, right? Because I just, I, I just tested negative on Friday. So, you know, who knows? Um, but here's the funny thing. Here's how people respond. Follow me in verse 30 here. It says, so, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So what'd they do? What'd they go right back to? But Jesus, I'm hungry, right? Right back to the immediate thing that they wanted relief from in their life. Gosh, you know what? I, I mean, I relate to these people so much. I relate to their way of seeing life. And Jesus is just patient with them, continuing to meet them where they're at. Here's what I want you to think about right now. What type of circumstance in your life do you, are, are you just rolling over in your mind that you're, you're just anxious about, you're nervous about, you're trying to control this situation to get this result because you're so convinced if this thing would work out in your life, then you'd have some kind of smooth sailing for a moment. Like it fix what's going on. It's like the Snickers commercial, right? Like what's the thing that turns you into that totally other person and then you eat the Snickers bar and you turn back into yourself, right? What is that thing right now? It might be more than one thing. And you're just, maybe you haven't even talked to God about it, but it's building up an anxiety in your life so much so that you don't see anything else but it. You, just, you can't see the forest for the tree. Maybe Jesus, maybe God wants to speak to you actually through that thing and not of it getting resolved right away because Jesus says, nah, man, I, I fed you the bread. We were in that situation. That was for that time, right? Going back to many of us, we want to chase that experience, that, that repeat of that certain type of spiritual high we had or that certain encounter and Jesus here is saying, no, I'm, I'm not gonna do the bread thing again. I'm gonna give you something a little bit more to chew on, right? <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so he says this in response to that. Jesus said to them in verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God 
is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So even more patience, Jesus sticks with the metaphor of bread. And he says, okay, you want bread? You want this bread that was given to you from Moses? Well, actually, that actually, the source of that wasn't Moses, but it was God. And in fact, there is a type of bread that you might be really interested in. It's this bread that it's, it, it's this like eternal life source. What do you think about that? You, you want to talk about that bread? You interested in that kind of bread since that's all that's on your mind right now? You got that Snickers hangriness going on? And they say in verse 34, sir, they said, always give us this bread. So he's got them. They're interested. Again, is there a conversation you need to have? Maybe it's directly with God. Maybe it's with somebody you could trust to talk about these things, about that thing in your life right now. That thing that no matter where you look, it's like the, it's like the mark on your glasses, right? You just see it everywhere. It's that big old scratch on your glasses or probably more like on your iPhone camera that's messing up your Instagram story or something like that, right? What is that thing that you need to address and bring to God and say, hey, God, will you reframe this for me? Will you help me to see it in a different way than I've been looking at it? Because it's blinding me to see how I'm dealing with any other part of life. So they said, sir, always give us this bread. In verse 35, then Jesus declared, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So he's like, this thing you want, it's actually me. This thing that's going to give you this sense of eternal life, and in fact, eternal life itself, this bread, to put it on your level, is me. It's me. And guess what? I know your tummy's still grumbling. I don't know if anybody's seen that, that, uh, that little uh, Instagram thing where they, they, they overlay people's voices and it's giving food to people. Hey, buddy, I know you're hungry. I've been doing that with Xavier and he yells, no! Xavier's the, the two-year-old, the littlest one that you saw running around here. But uh, that's fascinating to me that Jesus declares, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. At the same time, he's got some hungry people in front of him. What does that mean? What does that mean? How, how, do, how, do, you, how do I square that with reality? That he says, hey, you'll never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty. And some of you are like, oh, this guy, he must not be. It's a metaphor, Jamin, right? Like, you don't understand that? Yeah, I, I know it's a metaphor, but it's still a bold claim to make to say, if you come to me, believe in me, you'll never be hungry and you'll never be thirsty again. So he's saying these immediate needs right here, at least the way I'm hearing it right here on the page, reading it, is on a deeper eternal level, you're not gonna feel those hunger pains anymore. You're not gonna feel like you need a quench of thirst, even if you don't get that thing that you want. 
This is something I can't be reminded of enough in my life. I don't know about you, but I can get so fixated on the bread in front of me that I feel like I need to eat right that moment. That feels so urgent. It feels like it's controlling my life because it feels like if I don't get that thing, if I don't get that person to do what I want them to do or that situation to work out the way I want it to, then what's, my life is over. My life is meaningless, right? And if I could get it, then I'd be living my best life right now, right? If it just would work out that way. For me, it's eight hours of sleep right now. That's the thing in my life that I'm, that, that, that I'm looking at. Now, ending, ending our time, thinking about this idea, he says, of belief, right? He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to me and believe in me. And then you'll never do these things. You'll never hunger and thirst again. Um, I don't, I've not experienced that personally. Like I haven't experienced believing in Jesus and coming to Jesus and then not experiencing the spiritual or hunger, or the, 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 the negation, the dissipation of the hunger and thirst. So that makes me think Jesus is smarter than my interpretation of him in this moment when I get that sort of response in my head. And there's, there's a way that I learned to deal with this that maybe you did and if you grew up in the church too, where you have to deny the realities of your heart and your soul and your mind and your physical reality, and you just say, I'm, I'm not gonna accept the reality that I am hungry and thirsty spiritually because that seems to be what it said here on the page. But how I've come to understand my relationship with God is that God is not the enemy of reality, but that in fact, I find my truest understanding of who God and Jesus is by looking deeply into the reality of my situation and other people's situations. That I don't have to look away from it. I don't have to live in denial to live the life of God. In fact, I found the entire opposite to be true. That the more courage I'm given from God and others to look into reality, the greater my belief in God working in that reality becomes. And so when I see this and I read this passage, I'm thinking about Jesus trying to show something here that's essential that, hey, if you're still feeling hungry, if you're still feeling thirsty, then move towards me. Acknowledge this reality within you and move towards me. It's, it's in sense, it seems to be some type of hyperbole that's happening, some exaggeration of language around the idea of bread, hunger and thirst. And so I can, on the one end, I can say, I believe that could be true, and yet I don't experience that. I can have both of those things at the same time. And what I've found, it's kind of like loneliness. This is, this is where, where we'll end. It's kind of like loneliness. If I didn't feel lonely, 
then I wouldn't reach out for relationship. I could feel totally content in and of myself. And some of you that are introverts, you were really excited about that the first few months of COVID, but then at some point you started to feel something like, what is this inside of me? It feels like, am I having a heart attack? No, that's not it. Is this what loneliness feels like for, for like extroverted people? Is that what I'm experiencing right now, right? And, and I think about that way, that in terms of my relationship to God and to my spirituality. It's the hunger pains, it's the thirst that I feel that causes me to pursue, to seek how do I believe, how do I move towards Jesus? And so now as we come to the table, we get to enact that and to see ourselves moving close to the bread of life as we take communion together. So join me as we pray and prepare for our communion liturgy. So Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for each and every person that is with us here in person and has joined us online. Thank you for the children with us. Thank you for um, people that, uh, that we haven't seen in a while in person with us. Thank you for your word. And I pray that we would dwell on these things, that we would seek a deeper understanding of how God might be speaking through us or to us through things that feel immediate and urgent, speaking to us about the eternal. And it's in your name we pray, amen.